All right, we're live. I almost forgot to unmute it, but we're live now. Welcome to another episode of Book Club with Caden Kelly. Oh, it has been a long-ass week slash weekend, but we're here. We've finally made it. This is a new series of books that we're reading. Another 50. We did 50 books over a year. We're going to do another 50 books. So here's the first of many to come. Uh, Thanks for showing up. Thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate uh, the feedback and the love that I get from you few who are uh, paying attention regularly i hope that this content has been uh inspiring to you and helpful and has pushed you and motivated you to do better by yourself by your family by your loved ones and your career and your hobbies and your passions and all of you know and everything through your suffering uh through your struggle uh that's kind of the point of it all right that's kind of been the point so it's what we've been doing Oh, shit. I forgot to hit record. No, it's all right. I know how to fix that. So, uh, yeah, much love to you. This I, I'm going to try, when I post this, I'm going to try to post it as a new season. But I don't know if that's going to change something, anything in my... Anyway, I'm going to post it as a new season. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, besides that, you might see, if you're watching the video, you might see something fresh. You might see me uh, a new... You might hear it rattle a little. Listen. Wait a minute. It's hard to make it clink. I got a, I'm wearing my medal from my Spartan Beast race on Saturday. And that was the toughest four and a half hours of my entire life. And I said that to my mom and she said, really? Because you've done some pretty hard shit. And I said, and I, so I thought about it and I thought, yeah, I have. And, but you know, this was, this was like, just half a day of straight torture where, you know, I did summer sales and I did a Mormon mission and those things were hard, but those things were hard for six months. Those things were hard for two years. It was a different struggle. This was a, this was four and a half hours of pure torture. Um, so, but Hey, you know, I, I've worn my shirts in the past. I didn't grab a shirt because I ended up just donating the shirt. So I got my medal today for you. I met my uh, participation trophy. <laughs> uh, before I get any further, uh, this podcast, you know, just like just like I always try to explain, I do it live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch under Cadence Podcast for you to come join in the chat and uh, or to you know participate however you'd like. I share it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify afterwards. If that's where you listen to it, you know whatever whatever you want to do. And then I uh, do a 15-minute podcast called Here's the Point with Caden Kelly, where I do this same podcast, but I do it in 15 minutes or less so that, you know, if you, if you feel intimidated by the 90 minutes it takes to do this one, you can go listen to that one. And that's on Instagram and uh, also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But every, you can find links and access to everything on my blog, which is kellysblog.wordpress.com I also uh, posted my first blog post in a while today because I have a new goal that I'm set I, or, or a new uh, intention I'm setting out with so I, I've talked you know I, I point everyone to my blog all the time 
and I haven't been writing for a long time, and that's my fault. I have I just haven't been committed to it. And I uh, recently, my brother left on a mission, a Mormon mission, and I've thought a lot about the people who wrote me regularly with life updates and asking me how I was doing, but also sending inspiring stuff and messages and scriptures and things. So I'm in a unique position where I read books every week and I talk and I do the podcast and I should also be writing about them. And then I'm going to write up. So what I'm going to do is write about them every week as well and share the, the writing with my brother on his mission. So he's like the spark that has reignited this intention to write. But you can find the blog entries at the same website, kaydenkellysblog.wordpress.com. And, uh, yeah. Besides that, man, I am, I am so sore from that race. The race was an absolute ass kicker. I've done, we did two supers. I did a super in November and I did a super in May in Montana, uh, 10Ks with obstacles. And this one was a 21K. The beast is a 21K with 35 obstacles. Um, I believe it doesn't say on the trophy. Oh, 30 obstacles. Yeah. 21 kilometers, 30 obstacles. Uh, so that was, that was my race. And I'll tell you, I'll just, I talked a little bit about it in my blog this morning, but just to, you know, just to say that it was, turns out that this is a, a their champion Spartans championship course. So it was, it's extremely difficult. It's a snow basin and you run up the mountain, you basically run up the mountain, then you run back down. And it's so hard. We knew that it was going to be hard because the website said, it will be. It'll have 5,300 feet of elevation. So we anticipated the climb, but I've never seen 5,300 feet. And anyway, I've been do. You know, I've been doing trail running and lifting and all that stuff. So I felt like I was pretty prepared. But when you see 5,300 feet of elevation gain, it's it's a completely different animal. It w- it was like it was inclined for five or six miles and then you go down that you, you know and everyone loves the downhill because it's easier but it's so steep that it's like it it kills to go downhill as well downhill's almost just as hard as going up now it's not as hard but it's you know it's hard on your body and requires a different kind of strength and focus oh i wasn't i wasn't as prepared for it as i thought i was going to be or as i wanted to be I was feeling really, really good up until like mile eight, and I, uh, yeah, I like collapsed. I, 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 what's what sucked too was they. So really, all of the gain was for the first eight miles, and the climb rather. And I thought I was pacing myself pretty well, but you know, thirteen and a half miles, twenty-one kilometers. That's a lot longer than I. I ran thirteen and a half. I ran thirteen point one. Ran a half marathon the week before the race with uh, a place that had 1,600 feet of elevation gain. So it was, you know, it was hard, but it was not even close to the same ballpark. It wasn't the same experience. (laughs) I was still able to jog through most of that, you know, the training. But this race, it was was like eight miles of just straight incline. And um, I thought I was paced pretty well. But what what sucked, what, what really hurt me was... 
most of the obstacles were saved for the end as well. So there were a few walls that we climbed and uh, there was, uh, you know, some pipeline that you climbed through, like some e- not easy, but easier obstacles. And then at the end, they saved the they saved the really hard ones like the uh, farmer carry, not the farmer carry, but the atlas carry and the bucket carry and the sandbag carry where, you, you know, you, you put a hundred pound sandbag on your back. And then you walk, you go through a loop. Uh, you know, it's not a long loop, but down a hill and then back up the hill. You do that with the bucket. Do that with the sandbag. And then there's a bunch of monkey bars. And anyway, they say that for the end. So after I thought I was feeling good, I got, I just crashed. I fucking crashed. So I was, you know, if I had, if I was, if I had the endurance that I had for the first eight miles through the whole everything, through the whole race, I probably could have finished in three and a half hours. But I didn't. And I, uh, you know, I, I was, I was, it was like the first time in my life where I was pushing myself so hard where I was going to black out. I'm not, I've not, either I have been training really well in the past or that I've, I haven't ever been pushing myself that hard where I, uh, I didn't, you know, I haven't felt like I was going to black out in the past, but there were a few instant. there were a few times, uh, you're picking up the Atlas ball. It was like a hundred pound ball of iron. You walk it around a pole. You pick it up and haul it around. Jeez, and then I throw it down, and I feel like my body's going to collapse. And plus, I had cramps that I've never experienced before. And today, yesterday, and today, I've been sore in places of my body that I've never been sore before. It's been a hell of a weekend. But as hard as I went on Saturday, I doubled that. I double went lazy times two on Sunday yesterday. I sat on the couch and I didn't move for 18 hours and it felt very good. My body feels really good. And I went did a little bit of light exercise today and my body's still just trashed. I tried doing something and my shoulder was like, dude, you're still broken. <laughs> so race was good. Probably won't do that again. The th- I said last week that, you know, it's I'm going to do it and I'm and then I might not do it again. And, and not because I don't think it's a worthy challenge, but because it what I've what I've learned through this experience is the amount of time it takes to be a really good runner and or racer, at least a Spartan racer. Um, it re- well, it requires a ton of time to be a decent racer, and all of these guys that I talked to that have that were top performers have been doing the races for a while, have done several beasts, have done longer races as well, and uh, that's all they train for. So when I two weeks ago or a week and a half ago when I ran my 13.1 training I it took me two and a half hours and I, and I thought you know I, I could be doing I could I could do others I don't love this I don't want to spend two and a half hours every weekend training or every other day to be you know to really improve my time and to improve my conditioning my strength I'd have to spend that much time that much more time training, which would mean I'm doing, I'd be doing less of what I like to do or things that I enjoy, like this podcast and my business and uh, playing pickleball, playing video games. I've been mountain biking la- uh, recently, lately. There's a lot of other things that I want to do, too. So um, 
I'll probably I'm yeah, I was talking about this with my dad over the week after the race. He came and said hi and I realized he you know, he said he's like, You'll never or I said, I don't ever have to do this again and he said, No, but you can do the five K. Did you not enjoy the five K? And I you know, the three point two miles is it's fun and a lot more people are willing to do that. Even the 10K was fun. That one, when I did that in May, that took me an hour 45, which is still a long time to be doing something pretty difficult. But four and a half hours of torture. That was a long time. Very difficult. I'm, I'm, uh, I have, I'm proud of myself for doing it, but I know I could have done way better and I could do way better if I kept training and practicing. But it doesn't speak, it doesn't call to me this the race the spartan it doesn't call to me so i might not ever do it again but i might do it again who knows i'm 26 i could uh, you know i got lots of time ahead of me to do whatever i want but enough of that today we're talking about a book that i read last week called stillness is the key by ryan holiday an agent strategy for modern life you know what? The more and more that I read his books or that I look into Ryan Holiday, the more impressed I am with him. Uh, I've, you know, we've, we've read a few of his books already. We've read Courageous Calling. Uh, we read uh, The Obstacle is the Way. I think we've read others. What, what other ones have we read? Obstacle is the Way, Courageous Calling. I think, uh, actually, that might be the only two. Oh, and The Ego is the Enemy. There's not an audio book for that one. I don't know why. It was a great book. And he has audio books for all his other ones. Uh, I also learned that he is writing a new book that should be released in a month called, I was just looking at it, Discipline is Destiny. Uh, you know, these are like, these are like the, the staples for all things wisdom and, and success and purpose that, we've, that I've been talking about. So... Uh, I love his books. I love how he writes. He doesn't, you know, all our books have been in three-part fashion, A, B, C, but he has, he has three parts, but without, well, he doesn't really have chapters. He has like excerpts. <clears throat> he has principles that belong in each part of, uh, of the, of the principle. So for example, for this stillness is the key, he has three parts Part one is mind, part two is spirit, and part three is body. Mind, spirit, body. And then instead of, they are, I guess, chapters. He doesn't say they're chapters. They're just small excerpts. So he has an excerpt called, in part one, he has an excerpt called become present. Limit your, in, your, limit your inputs. Empty the mind. Slow down. Think deeply. So this is, you know, I don't, I usually write down each chapter and, and get the main ideas from each chapter, but really he's just talking about the main ideas of each part. Each part is like a chapter. I like the I like I, anyway. I like the way that he writes. So if you don't remember who Ryan Holiday is, I'm gonna let's see. He's got a little bio in here somewhere. Um, Ryan Holiday is one of the world's foremost thinkers and writers on ancient philosophy and its place in everyday life. He's a sought-after speaker and strategist and is the author of many best-selling books, including The Daily Stoic, The Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and Lives of the Stoics. His books have been translated into over 30 languages. He lives outside Austin, Texas with his family. This book was written 
in 2019. And I don't remember the order of all of his other books. This paperback edition first published in 2020. So, uh, yeah, he. at one point I remember him sharing the four, ver- the four main virtues of Stoicism and wanting to write a book on each of them. And so I've been doing a little Google searching on him, on the, f- the four from the penguinrandomhouse.com website. They say, at the heart of Stoicism are four simple virtues, courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom. Um, he's written a book on courage. And, well, I don't know, like, yeah, these other ones, so Courage was, you know, he's a book called Courage is Calling. And I think he's try- his intention is to write a book on each thing. Temperance, is that what this one is with stillness? Is, that, is stillness and temperance the same thing? Temperance is absence from alcoholic drink. How about more definitions? What is the true meaning of temperance? Moderate. Moderation in action, thought, or feeling, restraint, habitual moderation in the indulgence of appetites. That's kind of different. Or it's not exactly the same thing, but anyway. Um, so that's that's the point. That's or that's that's where he's headed with with these books. He's got a lot of books. He writes a lot of books. And he writes the letter for the, or he writes uh, wisdom for the Daily Stoic every day, his uh, online blog. There's a picture of him. So anyway, let's talk about the Daily Stoic, or rather, let's talk about stillness is the key. Uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to put some chapstick on my part of running the race. As I, you know, four and a half hours in the sun with no chapstick, my lips have been fried. Yeah, it feels nice. Ah, well, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Stillness is the key. Stillness is to be steady while the world spins around you. The highest good, which is inner peace. Inner peace. And isn't that one of the isn't that one of the two main points that we talked about last week? From you know, like the the main the main point of everything that we've learned over the last year is purpose and peace. Inner peace is the highest good, he says. And stillness is to be steady while the world spins around you. So yeah, I got, I've got notes from each part. And I'll go through them pretty quickly. Intro, stillness is the secret to a long list of achieving, of achieving success. Quote, to unlocking whatever we are capable of in this life. Close quote. Purpose of this book is to is how to uncover and draw upon stillness we already possess to find strategies and help di- direct our thoughts, process our emotions, to master our bodies. To hold the mind still is an extreme commitment. Stillness, yeah, stillness literally, you know, if you think about stillness literally is not moving. And you can have, and I think his point is we can have stillness in the mind, in the spirit, and in the body. And then to p- have stillness at all three at the same time, that's, this is like, this is basically enlightenment. But it also is a, it's the uh, conduit to which we uh, are able to 
well, there's progression in whatever we're trying to pursue, but there's also clarity when life throws its shit our way and also um, problem solving. And he shares tons of examples of presidents and thinkers and warriors and generals and things like this and how they when they were still they uh they basically executed properly but then he shares examples of same people like and athletes as well when they made mistakes or when they weren't still and how and the consequences thereof so uh yeah the purpose of this book is how to uncover and draw upon the stillness we already possess to find strategies to direct direct our thoughts, process our emotions, and master our bodies. All right. Part one is the mind. Stillness in the mind. Uh, be present. Our world is full of distractions, and we naturally find discomfort in boredom. There is peace, but but there is peace and clarity by experiencing, quote unquote, now the now. More, uh, more talk about distractions, right? Our world is full of distractions, and we are naturally uncomfortable when we're bored. And uh, we've read, we've read those, those uh, behavioral books. Be- boredom is, it's like the trigger to get us to do something. We don't want to be bored. We don't. No one likes to feel boredom, and, and uh, boredom inherently isn't a bad thing. It's how we react to boredom, how we respond to it. Do we indulge ourselves in our pleasures and with distraction, with with terrible, you know, with any distraction, just so we're not bored, or do we use our boredom to be constructive? And do we sit with boredom sometimes to understand ourselves? This, you know, pro- sitting with boredom, this is stillness. Sitting with anything, this is stillness, but this is happening in the mind. Uh, there are there is peace and clarity by experiencing now, by experiencing the boredom or the pain or the suffering or the pleasure and the happiness that you experience now. Sit with it and experience it in your mind. Herbert Simon said, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. Ah, uh, yes, there was uh, it's a, about focus. I liked that quote. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. Enter the void, the nothingness, for peak performance and stillness without a racing mind. This is like flow. We've, and I've, we've kind of talked about flow uh, where uh, it's the state you enter when you're like at max performance. Athletes experience this when they're like, what was the uh, swimmer? Uh, who is the swimmer? The Olympic swimmer we talked about. Oh, I can't remember her name. Something with an L, I believe. Anyway, it's the flow, though. Um, the nothingness for enter the nothingness for peak performance and stillness without a racing mind. Strange. There's a strange duality between clearing your mind and thinking deeply. I think the philosophy is to clear your mind of unconscious thoughts and fill it with conscious thought. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's and this came from. Some I'm going to look for a couple of the intro chapters, or uh, yeah, these excerpts. So there is uh, domain of the mind. Become present. Limit your inputs. Empty the mind. Slow down and think deeply. Start journaling. Cultivate silence. Seek wisdom. 
find confidence, avoid avoid ego, let go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, th- there's two two almost controversial principles: emptying the mind, and then to think deeply, which inherently sounds like filling your mind with with thoughts or or going down rabbit holes or so how do you what's the difference between clearing your mind and thinking deeply here's how i have interpreted it uh there's a time and place but also there is there's conscious activity and there's unconscious activity and when you are engaged in mindless activity mind numbing activity things like playing video games or watching television or uh, eating copi- you know, just eating food, like, or, or doing anything really at all. Are you doing it mindfully? Are you thinking about it as you do it, or are you doing it mindlessly because it's something to do and it's better than being bored? All right. So, um, so conscious uh, exerting conscious thought and conscious effort is uh, being mindful. But you can you can be okay. Are you but are you being overwhelmed by your thoughts and your actions, or are you in control of your thoughts and your actions? So this so maybe let, let me look back at my phone. Um, the philosophy is to clear your mind of unconscious thoughts and to fill it with conscious thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I. So um. Clear your, clearing your mind, I'm, I'm imagining or I'm trying to remember stories of high-pressure situations that people have been in where they have to make big decisions or, or any, you know, athletes when it comes to crunch time or, like, uh, I remember he talks a lot about uh, Kennedy with the missile crisis or with the nuclear missile crisis, the Cold War. He talks about the Cold War. Um being filled with nonsense and then reacting emotionally and irrationally versus clearing your mind of the garbage and then filling it with conscious thought. Yeah, this is I, so this is and then it re, stillness requires slowing down and, and then, yeah, contemplating what's coming into your mind and into your sphere of influence and then making appropriate decisions and that or, or and then and also re clearing your mind is relying you know as an athlete kind of relying on your instinct to perform properly to to do what is required of you whatever whatever the circumstance so that's how okay that strange duality i guess we could keep talking about it we don't have to uh journaling creates stillness and clearing yeah and uh jordan peterson has shared and i know a lot of people talk about journaling being a critical thinking exercise because it allows you or really if you're engaged in your writing it forces you to think about what you're saying and what you're writing forces you to contemplate ideas and then to try to elaborate them and it takes conscious effort to do it and admittedly in my writing this morning it's been so long since i've written anything or typed anything like that in a blog didn't feel great wasn't you know I, i didn't love what i wrote uh, but the exercise of doing it, you know, I was able, I'm able to, I was, I'm able to write and then reread and think about it and think, do I actually feel this, or how does this make any sense, or how does how do these ideas tie together? Uh, you have to do that to be a conscious writer, to be a critical thinker, 
and uh, and doing so, it will clear your mind of garbage and allow you to focus on what you're writing about, or just focus on really, uh, really on uh, anything that you're that's occupying your mind. So, journaling very important for stillness in the mind. He talks about uh, fi- seeking silence. Uh, he shares Proverbs chapter four verse seven. Hold a qu- which says. Well, I don't know what I said was holding hold acquiring wisdom to be the best thing anyone can do, and I did Google it, and the verse in the King James version of the Bible says, "Wisdom is the principal thing; therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding." Wisdom is the principal thing. Uh, yeah, that's hey, isn't that what we're trying to do out here with this podcast? Improve our health, our wealth, our peace. And then what? Our wisdom. Uh, wisdom is a funny thing because it's not, uh, it's like, it's, uh, being wise is, is, is also being a really good student. Like you can't teach, you can't really teach wisdom. To be wise to me seems like uh, always being open to learning and studying and improving which really requires changing all the time. Um, some things you can be sure about, like, you know, you can be sure about, or uh, maybe not even sh- like sure of, but you can reinforce ideas and principles through experience and uh, repeated learning. Just like, the, just like, you know, our 50th book recap, there were a bunch of principles that have been, that were regurgitated by several authors that led to several, you know, to a conclusion about different things. So, um, yeah, you can reinforce ideas, but you still to be wise is to hear outside is to hear uh, conflicting views or opinions of something that you feel like you're sure of, and uh, to consider that in your in your philosophy. To be wise, uh, to be to say that we know the answers to everything is not wise. It's close-minded and arrogant so wisdom's an interesting thing in that regard uh final quote from part one don't feed insecurity don't feed illusions of grandeur both are obstacles to stillness don't feed insecurity don't feed illusions of grandeur both are obstacles to stillness uh yeah, don't feed your weak don't feed weakness and don't feed your ego. Basically. Um Yeah. So that's stillness in the mind. Let's go to part 2, spirit. We are incapable of seeing what is essential in the world if we are blind to going on if we are blind to what's going on within us. I'll say that again. Quote we are incapable of seeing what is essential in the world if we are blind to what's going on within us. This isn't in our brain. This is, it's not our thoughts this time. It's our, it's our, it's the, you know, the quote unquote spirit. It's our emotions. Uh, the subtitle to spirit, what page is that? 85. Uh, spirit. Oh, no. It is just, it's just spirit. 
Epictetus said, most of us would be seized with fear if our bodies went numb and would do everything possible to avoid it. Yet we take no interest at all in the numbing of our souls. Spoken, spoken by a man a couple thousand years ago. Still crazy. You know, this, they, people have been thinking deeply for a long ass time. <laughs> Every idea that I think is original, someone's already written a book about it, or it's, you know, it's someone that we've already, someone's already talked about it before the internet was invented, you know? Nothing really is original anymore. It's, we're elaborating on all the same ideas. Uh, yeah, there's not even really new ideas anymore. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah, we're incapable of seeing what is essential in the world if we're blind to what's going on within us. This is so uh, to exp to have. Well, I'll just keep going. The Stoics believe virtue is the highest good. It is, quote, a sense of pure righteousness, excuse me, of pure rightness that emerges from the soul from the actions we take, close quote. Virtue is a sense of pure rightness that emerges from the soul from the actions we take. We can choose to be good or we can choose to be bad. Okay, that was, yeah, that's how I interpreted it. I took a lot of quotes later on. Yeah, I realize, realizing a lot of my notes have, are just quotes. Um, quote, to have an impulse and resist it, to sit in with it and examine it, to let it pass by like a bad smell, this is how we develop spiritual strength. This is how we become who we want to be in this world. Only they know that the only they know that real pleasure lies in having a soul that's true, stable, happy, and secure. Um, back to sitting with back to stillness in discomfort or sitting with discomfort. We have uh, we're influenced by our dis we've experienced distractions and then we want to do something to fill in the to fill the void so we distract ourselves with X Y and Z, and uh, the uh, the pro to that is if we do it consciously and we and we are paying attention to what we fill our mind and our body with, uh, we it can be extremely productive. Our distractions can be really good for us, but if we do it mindlessly, they can destroy us. Okay, I, I think we've said that before already. So, um, what he's saying here is uh, when we ex so it, when we have an impulse and resist it and examine it, we develop spiritual strength. It requires mental focus to you know like for example, uh, you finish. F okay, a direct example for me, back in the day when I'd I'd come home from cleaning carpets. And I would make dinner, or I would DoorDash dinner, and I would go straight, I'd either go straight to video games or straight to uh, social media and just, you know, totally drown myself in something else. And it's really, even still to this day, it's really hard to, to just, you know, to come home and to sit down and to not do anything. To sit, to, if you, after being stimulated all day or to be thinking and working all day, I want to change that the energy from focused attention to mindless numbing distraction because it's way easier and it feels it's like short bursts of of drug it's like a short burst drug it's a hit of a drug so I uh you know I I enjoy the uh the rush 
Everybody, I think everyone. That's that's why it's so enticing. Everybody enjoys the rush of getting a hit of social media or video games or food or porn or all of these short term distractions. But the what what he's saying is if you if you coming home from work and instead of doing that, you sit with this, you sit and resist the urge to do whatever it is, and you think about it. You're building mental and spiritual toughness, otherwise known as resilience. Um, this, uh, this is how we become who we want to be in this world. Only they know that real pleasure lies in having a soul that's true, stable, happy, and secure. We think about what we do when we feel the urge to, to distract ourselves with something, and we make conscious efforts to do the right thing for our bodies and for our minds and for our spirits. This is, what's, this is stillness. To have the urge and to resist it, but also to think about it. It's like, I guess it's really, it's like meditation. You're, you're thinking, you're meditating on the thoughts and the desires that you have and then making a decision based on what's good for you, not based on what's going to satisfy this urge the quickest or the, the deepest or something like that. Uh, another quote, no one achieves excellence or enlightenment without the desire to get better. Close quote. Yet. The need for progress often robs you of enjoying it. You need to know when enough is enough. There's another strange dichotomy about being satisfied with what you have and what you're accomplishing versus how much do I sacrifice to achieve or to, or to succeed. But, I, um, but the note I said is the need for progress often robs you of enjoying. Uh, I said enjoying it, which is probably the desire to get better this is you know but this is this has been proven in by the scientists who do the behavioral you know the behavioral books who explain the pursuit of a drug uh feels better than receiving a, the reward of the drug which is why people are get addicted to gambling they don't get addicted to gambling because they win at gambling they get addicted because of the feeling that comes with a near win which is a loss, <laughs> but we get addicted to the feeling of almost winning. So we keep chasing this thought of, yeah, uh, of winning, of winning. And of, so, um, but it happens, it happens on all levels. We get addicted to the chase or rather we have a, we, exp the high is greater with the chase than it is with the, uh, than with a obtaining the reward. So, uh, but then he's, we say, the need for progress often robs us of enjoying it. Uh, we need to know when enough is enough. Leaving in a higher power. Leaving in? Maybe I meant to say letting in. Letting in a higher power isn't about going to church. It's about letting go. Accepting you were never in control in the first place. Be it the Christian God, Allah, Mother Nature, or fate. Even if there is no God and we were created through evolution, we are created by something greater than us. Yeah, this this I actually listened to this part a couple times because I you know I I'm not a spiritual person, but I I don't want to be arrogant. Uh, so I want to listen to the message, and he says he uses AA as it or the twelve step pro. Hey, B Moon in the chat with some puppies. What's up, bro? What's what's up, puppies? Uh, I want to be, you know, I want to hear the message still. So he, the, and the idea is 
incorporating believing or or giving all letting go to a higher power isn't about um just it isn't about god or how does he say going to church it's about letting go that you were ever in control of anything in the first place he also talks about oneness in the sense that you know uh, whether you believe in the christian god that we're all brothers and sisters spiritually created by a loving father in heaven or that uh we're all biological creatures of mother nature we're all one in some way and except accepting this is letting go it's letting go that you weren't you are in control of everything that happens in your life and if you know one of the one of the biggest uh, the biggest one of the biggest lessons we've learned from these books is that to experience peace in life especially when we experience suffering or pain is to accept that not everything that happens to us is in our control we in fact like i said very little uh, what's actually in control usually is a lot less than you think usually the only thing that are that is in con- that happens to us that's in our control is how we respond to whatever's happening God, my nose is so itchy. I'm sorry. I keep itching it. Um, we're we're only. <sighs> well, yeah, my nose just really distracted me. I'm really sorry. Um, we're not in control of hardly anything, no good or bad that happens to us. We all we can do is act and react, physically, and uh, mentally, to whatever's happening at the very least and sometimes we can't even do those things because uh, of uh we're, some people I just keep thinking about I keep referencing Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning where he was involuntarily subjected to some horrible things um we can control usually how we respond or um we're, like our circumstances you could choose to go to the gym you can choose to work on your marriage you can choose to improve your education and go to school and study but you can't get out of a prison if you are taken prisoner or you know dramatic example but that's just what goes through my head think about frankel but in any case we can always control how we react and um uh yeah how did, well how did that tie into what we were what I was just talking about, that we were never in control. Yeah. Okay. So letting go of this notion that we're 100% in control of how our lives go. It's not true. We're born, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, in my belief, I believe at the very least we were, we're all created with the same material from the universe by mother nature and uh, through revolution, whatever. Uh, there's no divine power behind it. No, no God in heaven on the cloud dictating or deciding our lives or even or even just monitoring our lives it's just all nature but the higher power is nature mother nature is the higher power wherever she came from or wherever however she created humans she created us and uh we're we're here experiencing life and at the at the whim of mother nature she gave us desire and she gave us uh, she gave us cravings and she gave us all, she gave us the human experience and that's all we have is just the exp- is how we experience life and so we the only thing we can control is how we respond to the things that happen in our lives all right this is stillness in the spirit 
Quote, by ourselves, we are a fraction of what we can be. This is oneness. This is, this is accepting oneness. Quote, we have to be aware of desire, but conquer anger. Close quote. I don't know. I can't remember the context behind that. We have to be aware of desire, but conquer anger. I don't know how those two go together. It's good to be aware of desire, and it's always good to conquer anger. I don't. I anyway. Quote: We have to strengthen the body as the physical level. Excuse me. We have to strengthen the body as the physical vessel for the mind and spirit, subject to the capriciousness of the physical world. So this is part. This is that's segue to part three, which is body. We have to strengthen our body as the physical vessel for the mind and spirit subject to the capriciousness of the physical world. So, yeah, this is being, you know, we can be still mentally with our thoughts. We could be still spiritually with our emotions. Uh, and those are all subject to how our body being still in our body physically. So, uh, the first excerpt is called Say No. He says, always think about what you're really being asked to give because the answer is often a piece of your life, close quote. Uh, does this not sound exactly like what the uh, your money or your life lady said when she says your time? Uh, your your time is your life energy. So every consider everything that you do as your life energy. Me right here sitting in front of my computer talking into a microphone is me giving part of my life to something. And you sitting at your desk at your job or in your car driving somewhere, you're giving your life right now to do something. So physically, consider what it is you're, what, what you're giving for what reward and is it worth your life energy? What you give your time and your what you give your time to is, oh, I fucked that quote up. What you give is your time, and your time is your life. Okay, now that makes sense. Quote, a good routine is the platform from which fulfilling and stimulating work is possible. R routine becomes ritual. Have we not talked about, have we not talked endlessly about routine? But I love the routine becomes ritual. And it's not um, when people say practice makes perfect, it's uh, practice makes habits or practice makes routine. Practice makes what we do. So you want your routine to be excellent if you want to be excellent. You need your practice to be excellent if you want to be excellent. A good routine is the platform from which fulfilling and stimulating work is possible. Fulfilling and stimulating, is that not uh, – the purpose, the purpose side of the podcast from last time. We talking about practice, yeah. Did you watch Ted Lasso? Because I just we just finished Ted Lasso yesterday, and there was a whole section about we're talking about practice. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Quote: Order is a prerequisite of excellence, and good habits are a safe haven of certainty. Order is a prerequisite of excellence, and good habits are a safe haven. Of certainty. There's another uh, quote for habits. Good habits. Their pre order is a prerequisite of excellence. Quote The purpose of ritual is to settle our bodies and minds down when fortune is our opponent on the other side of the net. 
The purpose of ritual is to settle our bodies and minds down when fortune is our opponent on the other side of the net. Um, yeah, I'm try. I wish I'm gonna see if I can Google and find that uh, swimmer Olympic swimmer um, Ledecky. Yeah, Katie Ledecky. Uh, she, uh, yeah, so, so the reason, you know, okay, I bring her up because um, ritual allows us to remain focused and still when, like, you practice for the hardship when it comes up, before it comes up. So that's that's why I tried to train for my race. I thought I had trained adequately, and then I showed up, and I was I was feeling really good for a lot of it, but not as well as a lot of other people who have ex- one have experienced it before, and two have been training longer than I have. I've tra- I can only ex- I only exerted so much time and energy into training for the race that I could only I could only um, experience so much. What are the words he uses? Uh, to st- I could only settle my body and my mind down so far. Those people who the top performers of the race and the uh, the um, what would you call like the people who return to do it all the time? They were at more peace. They could experience um, a deeper flow because it was a familiar situation and they've been training for it before. And and this Katie Ledecky swimmer who is. Um, when we talk about grit with Angela Duckworth, she was she was able to compete at a, a, the Olympic level and experience almost no stress because of the time that she's put into her routine, uh, which is which like Holiday says becomes ritual. So we practice our rituals so that when the time comes to perform, we can settle our bodies and settle our minds. This is why it's so important to subject ourselves regularly to hard things. If you live your, if you live your whole life by uh, either just floating by or by constantly numbing and never seeking discomfort, then when, when the shitty things happen, because they always happen, you, you won't be able – you can't respond properly. You can't ex- – you can't – like for example, uh, we talked about this the whole drive home from the race. Uh, I felt I felt peace in my mind because I knew that I knew what I did was hard and I trained as much as I could. Um, and as we you know, we were talking like I, I, sub- I, I, I do hard shit. I don't do the hardest shit. I'm not the toughest motherfucker out there, but I I challenge myself daily. I get up early. I go to the gym. I do yoga. I've been running. I've been doing hard shit. So my mind is tough. It's not as tough as it could be. And it's not the toughest one out there, but it's tough. So I'm thinking we were talking on the way home and I and I thought when along this line of thought when when shitty things happen like for example if you have a a loved one close to you dies if anybody dies that you know or that you care about how are you going to respond people who regularly subject themselves to hard things will respond better because of this principle of routine and ritual. If your uh, you know if your spouse dies or a sibling or a friend or parent dies tragically, uh, you know God forbid, uh, you're able to ex- you're able to embrace the reality of it and 
and react better to it because again the best the only way to over to to endure suffering well is to focus on what's in your control and then respond properly and this is what stillness is when shit happens can you be still can you be still mentally physically and spiritually and then respond properly so subjecting ourselves to voluntary suffering like getting up early and going to the gym and training for something hard and uh, daily rituals, mundane practice, uh, doing things that are important to us when we don't want to, working on our relationships, uh, making hard decisions that are good for us, thinking about them. When we do the hard things today, our, our future self will be stronger mentally, physically, spiritually. Mm, that's the meat of this. That's the meat of this whole thing. The purpose of ritual is to settle our bodies and minds down when fortune is our opponent on the other side of the net. John Boyd, who uh, was a guy that advised presidents, said, If a man can reduce his needs to zero, he is truly free. Close quote. And you can be, and then you can be still. Uh, do you want to covet less? Give more away. This goes, you know, this goes hand in hand with the um, with the uh, Robert Kiyosaki says, I don't want to live below my means. I want to make enough money that I can live within my means, but do it responsibly. And Stoics and yogis preach that true freedom comes in requiring very little. If you require X, Y, and Z to be happier, to have peace, then you're that much more a slave to those things. Like if I needed a big house to be at peace or if I needed to have six cars or I needed, you know, whatever, um, I will be that much more a slave to those things. But if I can, if I can give, if I can live without them, if I can experience, experience peace without things, I will be more free in all areas. Um, yeah, this is John Boyd. If, if a man can reduce his needs to zero, he will truly be free. It is difficult to understand yourself if you have never spent time with yourself alone consciously or if, you've ne if you don't meditate. If you don't spend time thinking about your thoughts, spend time in discomfort or in boredom or in suffering, instead of constantly trying to drown yourself in distractions or drown yourself with with pleasures and pleasant things focusing on um well focusing on yourself and what your body needs and when you experience hard things or when you experience anything you won't know who you are if you have never spent time with yourself alone consciously uh he echoes celeste headley regarding overwork life is a marathon daily effort should be met with pace regarding high achievers like cameron haynes uh, his sacrifices, longevity. Um, yeah, and I was talking with my friends, with a couple friends from the race uh, on Saturday. There are there are things, you know, these top performers like Katie Ledecky. She's a she's a world class athlete, and the con the the sacrifice is this is this is my high achiever versus well rounded uh, philosophy. You can be well-rounded at everything in your life, but you won't. You won't. You can't be a high achiever in any area. You can be really good at everything, but you can't be world-class or high achiever or excellent, because 
uh, to be well-rounded requires sacrificing the excellence. But if you want to be a high achiever at anything, the sacrifice is the well-roundedness. But in any case, we don't ex- achieve any kind of success overnight or in a day or even in a year. We achieve success by, what does Duckworth say? Uh, daily effort, consist- consistent effort daily is is everything. Oh, I got to find that because that was the quote. That was the quote. Um, it's got to be right here. Consistency of effort over the long run. That's how, that's, that's the, that's how you succeed. Consistency of effort over the long run. That's, that is everything. So regardless of what you're trying to achieve, whether you're trying to be well-rounded or a high achiever, it's consistency of effort. You got to understand your sacrifices with your actions and you got to do it consciously to be uh, you got to be aware of yourself if you want to experience peace and you don't want to sabotage other people and your relationships. Uh, but it's consistency of effort over the long run. Arthur Schopenhauer says, Sleep is the interest we pay on the capital which is collected at death. This was an ch- excerpt about sleep, how important sleep is. And I th- I like the analogy that we're loaned life. We're we're given. We're given life, right? We don't. We didn't earn it. We didn't create it ourselves. Again, nothing really is in our control at all. We were given life by whatever higher power we subject ourselves to, and sleep is the interest that we pay on that loan. And then when we die, uh, I well, he says that death is, uh when the capital is called in when we when we give back the the loan or we pay off the loan that's from arthur schopenhauer I, I like the analogy i had to share it quote from holiday your mind and soul are incapable of peace when it is battling for survival so for you uh for you he says too i didn't write this down but i remember him saying um some people are better at operating without uh, as much sleep as others you know, I, I really feel like I'm at peak performance or I'm at like my body feels the best and my mind feels the best when I get like eight and a half to nine hours of sleep, which is a long time. And I don't want to sleep that long. I want to sleep for four hours and be able to go kick ass. But I, I'm too tired and I feel like shit and I really want to be healthy for as long as possible. So I get a lot of sleep. I try to get a lot of sleep, eight and a half to nine hours. And he says, some people really can operate and be healthy and do well with less sleep. But, oh, but, but we, everybody knows that everyone does better and feels better with more sleep. That's just the, that's just the bottom line. Regardless of what, however much sleep you actually need, everybody needs some sleep and everybody does better with more sleep. This is how we experience stillness when we're, when we are, when our body, how does he say? Uh, when we're battling for survival, we can't be still. Our body's in, you know, fight or flight mode, and we uh, are sabotaging our well-being and our ability to be still and make good decisions. Leisure isn't about leisure isn't an absence of activity. It is it is activity. What is absent is the external justification, like pay or reward or or admiration. 
this is again a, a lot about uh, Celeste Headley talks. T- her whole book is about leisure and having more leisure and the benefits of leisure. Leisure isn't about being lazy. Leisure is about doing something but not needing justification for it. So it's like your hobbies. It's just things that you love. You do your job to pay your bills, but then you do your hobbies. And sometimes people's hobbies pay their bills, and but they don't do it because of their bills. They do it because that's what gives them purpose in life. And if I remember right, he shares uh, that he shares Winston Churchill, who was a big politician, right? <laughs> he uh, he was uh, the he was the prime minister for England in the during World War II, but his hobby he was. I think he was first – he liked to lay bricks. He was a bricklayer first, and he wasn't the best at it. He said, I remember Holiday saying he often needed to be corrected, but he loved to lay bricks and he loved to paint. And um, he wasn't known for his painting. He wasn't known for his bricklaying. He was known for being prime minister. That was his job, but his hobby, that's what sustains him. That's Your hobby, your leisure is what sustains you through your activity. It's, it's important to incorporate leisurely time in our lives. Go read – do nothing by Celeste Headley. Go read this. Uh, it's very important. Um, leisure isn't laziness. I was very lazy yesterday. I watched TV and I played video games on the couch. I didn't move for 18 hours, 16 hours, whatever. Very lazy. Uh, leisure can be laying bricks. He talked about another guy whose leisure time was cutting down trees, painting, writing, whatever. It's activity, but it's activity without reward or activity without justification for doing it. People are like, well, well, why do you spend so much time knitting if you're not making any money doing it? Because that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it because it satisfies me. It makes me – the reward is the activity. Doing the thing is the act- – this podcast for me is part uh, – is I'm not doing it for any money. I've been doing it for over a year, and I've, I lose money every year because I buy two of the same book. I buy the physical copy and the audio book. And I make zero dollars, so I'm buying – I may have covered 50 books, but I bought 100 books, you know, right? So – but I don't do it for the money. I do it because of the reward from the activity, which is – I don't even do it for the reward. I do it because of the activity. It helps me be a better person. All right, we're almost done. Escapism, the excerpt from ex- Escapism. You can't run away from your choices. You can only face them and fix them. Why do we like – oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the point is you can't run away from your choices. You can only face them and fix them. If you've made mistakes, all you can do is uh, is fix them. Well, Or an irresponsible person would justify bad choices, but a responsible person faces them and works to fix them and reconciles with the mistakes. Why do we like to take vacations? Why do we like to do anything to escape? Well, get to know yourself. Build a life you do not have to escape from. Yeah, the, uh, I've always – not always. I struggle with vacations because I I like to be home and do my thing. I really do. I don't I don't like to go – I don't like to travel and I don't like to – you know, I like to see – okay. When we go on vacation, what I really want to do is uh, relax. So I'm like I could just relax at home. I have all my stuff at home. But when we go out – I like to – the things that I like to do are usually competitive. Like I like to play uh, sports and games and I like to, uh, you know, this sort of thing. I don't love to sit at a beach and drink alcohol or go to the club, go to a club, 
um, to shop around and, to, you know, it's, it's all everyone has their own distractions and their own things that they love to do. I'm not knocking it. It's just me. I don't I don't like to do those things. When I'm lazy, I sit on the we watch TV or we play video games or I do rather. Uh, and then when I'm in my leisurely activity, I'm playing pickleball or golf or mountain biking or the podcast or writing things that require effort out of me, but I'm not getting paid to do them. And I could do all those things for my house. I guess I could travel to like I did. I did travel to do the Spartan races. That was fun. I could travel the mountain bike. I could go play pickleball in other places or tennis or golf. I just don't have a crazy desire to do that either. It requires a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> anyway, I, just, I struggle with vacations. But the point is, do we do the vacations and we do the shopping? Do we do the getting drunk at the beach or going to the clubs because we're trying to escape from our lives? The philosophy is create a life you don't have to escape from. I don't feel like I have to escape from my life. I, 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 every day I'm working on my business, working on my podcasts and my books, working on my my health, wealth, peace, and wisdom, and I'm really happy doing it. And I don't need to go out, travel the world to 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 uh, satisfy that. Or and I'm not running from anything that I do in my day. I'm really happy where I'm at. And I get that. I guess not everybody is in that position. A lot of people don't like their lives or what they how they how their time is divvied out, and they need the distraction. So, um, yeah. There's, and there's the your hierarchy of needs that I spent a lot of time talking about last week. Uh, there's who who I think I still got it right here. Who said? Oh no, I got rid of it. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I just remembered. So yeah, Maslow's hierarchy. Once your five basic principal needs are met, you can work on improving small things in your life, but that will have a significant impact on your well-being. Uh, quote: You have to do good and be good. To feel good. Love that. Learning how to live well is futile Futile if we do not learn how to die well. That's how the book ends. How can we live well if we don't know how to die well? This, uh, you know, and that's a direct call to or direct uh, reference to his other book, Courage is Calling. To live well really is to die well, to learn how to die well, uh, to learn how to to deal with suffering well. That's how you live well. Life is full of really beautiful and great pleasant things. It's also full filled with a bunch of bullshit and shitty and, and shitty experiences. And if we don't know how to experience, if we don't know how to react to those things well, we can't live well. If we, if we don't know how to deal with hardship as they come to us well, um, you know, which is really easy to say to as a guy who doesn't have a ton of hard things that happens to me regularly. A lot of people live with a lot of struggle all the time, um, <clears throat> but uh, that doesn't mean the principle isn't true. We can, uh, we can, we need to learn how to live, how to die well, how to deal with suffering well, to live well. This is stillness in the body. I love this book, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday, uh, Body, Mind, and Spirit. Basically, understanding who we are inside and out and be conscious in all our decisions and our thoughts, understand our emotions. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I'm not going to read it next week. It's not, you know. But I can't can't wait to read "Discipline Is Destiny" by Ryan Holiday when that comes out. Uh, that will be a, that'll just be another book from 
from one of the world's foremost thinkers, as he's described, of ancient philosophy. So thanks for tuning in. Hey, B-Moon, thanks for showing up in the chat. And for those of you uh, who want to check out the shorter version, you could go, you know, I assume if you listen to this longer version, you're probably not going to, but you can find the uh, the shorter version on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. You can find the writing, my writing and blog from uh, my blog, kellysblog.wordpress.com. You can go to my Instagram or my Twitter or my TikTok and find link, the links to everything. And if you have suggestions for books, I've been getting a lot of suggestions for books lately. I got a long list of books to read. Uh, we go through them once a week again, and you can always you can reach out to me on any of those outlets. Otherwise, we'll be here next week for another, it'll be July 18th. Yeah. So we should be rocking and rolling. Um, starting later and later for these hee-hee. Uh, yeah, that's, I know my timing's been weird. My uh, i just been doing work in the morning, trying to get my team ready to go. I hate get i hate do, I, you know i've been do when i do the podcast earlier and then the day's getting started but there's questions about how to get started and then i'm interrupted so i'd rather get my team going before i zone out for you know two hours so that's my bad it's random i get it starting exactly one game of val yeah of course i do uh, it's my lunch time so let's do it okay next week we'll see you then thanks for showing up everyone have a good one